Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup, episode 87 for the week ending Monday, December 12th, 2016. My name is Andy Lemassou and if you're listening in for the first time, well welcome. Uh, this is indeed where we round up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. But heads up though, this week's show won't be featuring my usual commentary on the week's biggest news. Uh, the team at the African Tech Roundup will be taking a break over the next four weeks. But don't worry, we've got your back. Um, each week over the next month, we'll be sharing sneak previews uh, of episodes from the brand spanking new season of the African Tech Conversation series, which will start to drop this Friday, December 16th. Now, this week, we'll share moments from my conversation with the Ethiopian-born Solomon Asefa, who is the director of IBM Research on the continent. But before we get to that, I must give a big shout out to GoDaddy for sponsoring the upcoming season of African Tech Conversations. Now, GoDaddy makes registering domain names fast, simple, and affordable. They're the world's largest domain registrar, trusted by over 13 million customers around the globe, and they provide everything you need to get your business set up online, including award-winning 24-7 support. Now, to save 30% on a new domain name or to use any of their services, go to trygodaddy.com forward slash African tech. Again, that's trygodaddy.com forward slash African tech to save 30%. Now it's on to this week's African Tech Conversations sneak peek, which, as I said earlier, is drawn from a long chat I had with Dr. Solomon Asefa, who heads up IBM Research Africa. Now, he spent a lot of time at IBM working on nanophotonics technology. His research contributions include high-speed optical detectors, nanostructured platforms for biosensing, uh, as well as quantum information processing. Now, he's co-authored over 150 publications, has over 50 patents to his name, holds a PhD from MIT, and is an honorary professor at Wits University in South Africa. This is one sharp dude and an overachiever of note. Take a listen. Um, we're currently in the recently launched research lab in, uh, in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. What happens here? A lot of uh, research and innovation. Um, For whom? Well, so our main mandate and our priority is to tackle Africa's grand challenges and also identify local challenges where, you know, we can use the latest cognitive computing technologies, Internet of Things, to solve those problems. So really, technologies that will be scalable, that will, make, that will be commercially viable, but that will also have impact on human lives. Locally, we want to focus on local problems because those local problems actually lead to big commercial opportunities as well. So does a facility like this run on IBM's global sort of R&D budget or are there clients that specifically um, uh, task you with researching into, into separate areas? Do you, do you partner with certain entities in order to... to to excavate certain areas. What's the model of a site like this? It's a mix of all of that, right? So we have 12 labs across the world. So we have a worldwide research strategy. You know, we want to advance cognitive computing. That's one of the big areas where we have made, you know, big breakthroughs in other labs. So we're doing the same here as well. Specifically, I mean, we're using, for example, the data from square kilometer array to advance cognitive computing, just as an example, right? So that's kind of a global agenda. But also locally, I mean, we partner with the DST, we partner with the CSIR, we partner with VITS, and we define uh, 
problems or you know research programs we feel are relevant locally and we tackle that together so it's all about partnership and ecosystems and so you've mentioned one uh you know one project um what are some of the the most profound research findings you've made so far or technologies you've developed you know since assuming this role we have made not personally i mean obviously the 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 research team yeah We've been fortunate enough to, you know, like within a year, gather a very brilliant, you know, team of scientists, and they're already making a lot of progress. For example, uh, the work that we're doing in terms of understanding cancer metastasis is very worthwhile of mentioning, right? So we're trying to understand, we look at, you know, molecular networks and see how cancer, you know, from primary cancer can spread through the body and, you know, can we actually predict which organ it goes to and so forth, which is, you know, groundbreaking, right? Um, also, the work that we are doing in TB, tuberculosis, trying to use, you know, sensors, Internet of Things, trying to understand how, you know, it spreads, you know, who are the super connectors, in what are the trends and so forth. I find that to be also extremely relevant and important. And again, I mean, the machine learning uh, work that we're doing, advancing frontiers of machine learning using data from the SKA. So, you know, like we expect exabytes of data per day in a couple of years. So that means that you have to innovate new algorithms so that you can actually make sense out of that massive amount of data. Please explain to someone who's not familiar with the SKA what it is and, 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 I mean, because I mean, it's it's been covered quite quite a bit. How I mean, there's this extensive amount of data that um, Africa doesn't seem to have the capacity to to process fast enough to make sense of fast enough. So, explain to someone who might not be familiar with with that particular project. So, the Square Kilometer Array Project or SKA is an international project. Uh, so, there's two sites where the radio antennas will be installed. One is South Africa, and another is in Australia. Now, in South Africa, it's actually one of the big priority research areas for the Department of Science and Technology. So there will be about 3,000 of uh, these uh, dishes, you know, in the Karoo. So what those dishes are doing is looking at, you know, the sky and trying to understand the origin of the universe. Right? So, so this is a huge, massive uh, scientific exploration. It actually makes me very proud that, you know, uh, it's a pan-African initiative across, you know, 10 countries, ultimately. And the fact that Africa is leading such a big scientific initiative, just imagine the, the same way uh, as, you know, the supercomputer or HLC, whereas so many massive discoveries have been made, like the boson and, and so forth, right? So it's that big of a scientific challenge. And and that's that's what scientists from the SK South Africa organization in collaboration with scientists from the IBM Research Africa are working on. So, in, you know, in helping people understand what IBM does, you know, in wrapping our minds around what they, they do, um, I feel like IBM is one of those tech companies that is embedded in various aspects of our everyday life, you know, without most people even being aware of it. And, um, you know, share some examples of how IBM helps improve the lives of, you know, the average uh, man or woman on the streets or at home or in the workplace or say you know Nairobi or Lagos or Johannesburg yeah well you know if you look at you know how cities operate for example quite a lot of the decision uh, support systems or you know the systems that enable city officials to make day-to-day -day decisions you know we have quite a lot to do with that in, in support of the city of Joburg for example 
So we work quite closely with the city. For example, if you look at, you know, how they run their, you know, uh, air quality monitoring stations, you know, we have developed a system for them. If you look into um, monitoring of crime, uh, you know, again, I mean, uh, some, of, some of our systems are being used in running those day-to-day activities uh, in some of the healthcare systems as well. You know, we, so we have quite a lot of, you know, IT infrastructure, you know, cloud infrastructure that cities, officials, and companies and clients use. In terms of the consumer aspect of IBM's business, I mean, uh, there definitely seems to be a shift, and correct me if I'm wrong, there seems to be a shift towards uh, enterprise solutions, uh, you know, consulting to government and uh, uh, those kind of soft solutions as opposed to sort of the things that we'd expect to have in our hands like a smartphone or or some kind of device. Is that, is that, am I right in saying that's been an intentional shift for IBM? Yes. Uh, by the way, for example, I mean, you just showed your, your uh, iPhone, right? So we, we partner with Apple, right? So we are very good when it comes to working with enterprise, you know, businesses. Uh, but also we partner with companies that are very good in terms of, you know, consumer reach as well. Um, if you look at one, one very good example is in South Africa. I mean, if you look at, you know, many of the big banks, almost all of them use our, uh, you know, mainframes, right? They use our IT solutions and cloud solutions. So we deal quite a lot with enterprise, but also through partnerships, uh, we indirectly impact, you know, uh, consumers. Back in 1943, uh, the then president of IBM, a guy called Thomas Watson, famously declared the following. I think there's a world market for maybe five computers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so... In your opinion, what are some of the most profound miscalculations currently being made about the future of Africa's tech and innovation scene? Oh, that's, that's a tough question. I mean, may, maybe it's stuff that you see come up and think pieces on the, on the regular or um, you, you hear um, spoken about at conferences or you overhear in, in strategy rooms and you're thinking, nah, nah. Or maybe when you visit overseas and you clearly meet people who might be out of touch with where things are going. What are some of the major miscalculations, or perhaps not so major? I wouldn't characterize it as uh, miscalculation. I think everybody realizes the potential of the continent now. You know, if you look at the demographic shift and if you look at stability and so forth. Perhaps um, one common theme that I see is everybody thinks that, you know, just because of uh, mobile phone penetration, that seems to solve all the problems of Africa and there's too much talk about that without in-depth thinking of how exactly like what kind of solutions are we going to deliver on those mobile phones you know just uh, some simple apps um, on phones I I don't think that will change how the continent operates or I don't think it will impact you know lives of individuals you need to go to the next level and say how are those apps actually going to help, you know, uh, someone's life change? How are they going to help them earn above the poverty line? So I would love to see a little bit more of in-depth uh, thinking about some of the solutions that are being created than just, you know, you know, kind of, you know, press releases and hype and, you know, you know how, how it is on the news cycle. So all of a sudden, you know, there's a startup, you know, there's a big, you know, press event and then that app disappears without it getting traction 
So, so it's almost an it's almost an over uh, an over enthusiasm a misplaced enthusiasm maybe yes a little bit of that yes yeah because I mean I, we can't deny it's all I mean the demographics do suggest that's where we're going um, but it's always interesting to me covering the the scene how overstated for example just how many people actually have smartphones in their hands to start with you know I mean in South Africa what are we three four out of ten you know South Africans. And that's what, and we leave the continent uh, as as far as that's concerned. Also, the definition of smartphone uh, refers to anything that is web enabled, not not necessarily something super clever like an iPhone or a Galaxy or something. Another thing too, I think, uh, to add to that is, uh, again, I mean, saying yeah, you know, some simple solutions will improve people's lives. From my perspective, actually, I mean, exponential technologies are the ones that we should target. Like when we talk about cognitive computing and impacting individuals, I, I really believe in that. Because if you really want to leapfrog, you need to have new thinking. What is that technology that's going to dramatically, you know, change how you run your day-to-day life, how you make your life kind of economically viable, how you run your business? I think we need to think about the impact of the latest technologies, like, you know, what's the impact of machine learning? What's the impact of Internet of Things? Uh, so we, we need to be on that exponential curve than always saying, oh, yeah, you know, like phones will solve, solve our problems. It's much more than that. So tell me um, how some, you know, a, a, junior, a junior tech person or, some, you know, someone new to the industry, perhaps coming straight out of varsity, perhaps... Uh, where you were when you first, you know, you graduated with your first degree at MIT, is listening to you and says, okay, I, I buy into that. Um, I want to s- put all my energies into promoting exponential technologies and, and not just surfing, you know, hype waves. Um, where does a person like that start, practically speaking, do you think, in terms of getting stuck in? I think a lot of uh, these technologies, if you want to learn about it, are it goes back to our previous discussion, they're available. I mean, you just need to go into some of these online courses and try to, you know, explore, learn in depth, and also, you know, go to some of this, you know, the innovation hubs and, you know, try, go and talk to some professors. So you just need to be a bit more proactive in terms of, you know, going and uh, learning about these technologies. But all of this information is really available everywhere you are. And so, you know, over the years, you know, various prophets of doom have predicted the demise of, of IBM and others, you know, other, you know, incumbents in the field, uh, you know, you know in many times in, in the company's history, IBM has seemed to struggle, you know, to deal with change and innovate. And, you know, how, how would you say IBM is working to maintain relevance in the wake of major stars dropping out of the sky, as it were, you know, your, your Nokias and Blackberries and Kodaks, you know, what is IBM doing to ensure that they, they don't become another case study in an MBA, in an MBA textbook. It will never be that because, I mean, we have, we're like a 104 or 105-year-old company now. And we have transformed a couple of times, right? And many of the technologies that actually led to revolutions in the IT industry were invented uh, by IBM. And we're not sure about inventing these new technologies, even if it means that it could lead to our own disruption, right? So we go ahead and invent because it's good for humanity, it's good for everyone. Now, in terms of us being relevant, if you look at IBM now, we're a cloud company, right? Cloud, a cognitive company, all of our solutions delivered over the cloud, right? So, and we've successfully transformed into that uh, in the last, you know, five, 10 years. So it's, it's kind of changes in, in our DNA, 
And so you, you mentioned disruption. Uh, you know, do you feel that IBM is sufficiently diversified to be safe from that or sufficiently large enough to, to sort of uh, survive even periods of like lean periods where perhaps they, you know, the company might behind, be behind the curve? Um, and what's the company's attitude towards uh, buying in some of the, the, the innovation that maybe isn't coming up organically within the organization? Well, it is. So, so that's the thing. What makes IBM very unique is the fact that we have IBM Research. You know, the technologies that we develop in IBM Research they're ten, twenty years, you know, ahead of the curve, right? So, a lot of changes that you see in the IT industry, as well as the transformation of IBM, pivots back to research. Like, look at cognitive computing. That came out of IBM Research. I don't know if you know about Jeopardy. You know, like the quiz show and how Watson came to, you know, was announced, right? So I'm familiar with it, but that's a really good, I think that's a really great example of a key moment. One of my, you know, <laughs> one of my mentors would put it that way. One of a key moment for the business. But break it down for our listeners. So, so Watson was one of the grand challenges within IBM Research. There were a couple of scientists working on it. And, you know, they're developing a lot of technologies related to cognitive, which, which encompasses, you know, obviously uh, uh, natural language processing, machine learning, and many other cognitive, you know, technologies, right? So, and, you know, it started as a small team, but then it expanded. It became a big grand challenge. It grew, and, you know, the Watson was able to defeat, uh, you know, the champions of the Jeopardy quiz show, right? And that really announced the new era of cognitive computing. And, and you know, now you see all the other companies kind of, you know, buying into that. And there's a big transformation, right? You hear a lot about, you know, deep learning, machine learning, and how that's transforming industries. But really, it goes back to the moment when, you know, Watson won that quiz show. So, I mean, the reason I mentioned that is to show that because IBM is unique because we have this big you know research institution that's always ahead of the curve so and that leads to our transformation so uh, and we have a lot of innovations coming out of it and so i'm sure you're sensitive to the inherent risks uh, of the trend towards cloud computing machine learning uh, particularly i mean some high profile uh, you know individuals not least south africa's own elon musk you know uh, declaring his you know his fears about how we could potentially mishandle this point in our history if we're not careful uh, and in given ibm's commitment to this area what are some of the 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 bigger risks in your own mind and and how is ibm going about mitigating them look i, I mean our view of cognitive computing is uh, it's something where you know the human is always in the loop it's uh, technologies that will assist humans make better decisions humans make uh, become more efficient, right? And there's always this discussion about, you know, could it lead to job losses? We think that it could actually lead to more jobs, you know, even types of jobs that we we don't even know about, right? So, and then there's always the question of, you know, um, what if the machines take over the world? Something that comes out of Hollywood. But even in that front, right, uh, two weeks ago, or a week ago, we had an announcement where, you know, IBM, Microsoft, I think Google, Amazon, all of those companies came together and created a foundation so that we can talk more openly about the ethical questions behind, you know, cognitive computing and AI. Um, so, um, I mean, yeah, I think all of the risks that, that you're referring to, they're out in the open and they're being openly discussed. In, in my view, 
especially in the context of uh, the African uh, continent, I think we need to harness the power of AI, uh, this exponential technology, so that we can leapfrog and, uh, you know, we can improve lives, impact lives. I mean, look at uh, healthcare. I mean, there's so much that we need to do. I mean, we need to make our hospitals more efficient, our doctors more effective. And if you can harness cognitive computing uh, or natural uh, natural language processing to look at pathology reports and automate it quickly, understand the statistics of, you know, disease occurrences across the continent, and then be able to really, you know, understand where to allocate resources, I mean, that's a big win, right? So the advantages, in my mind, outweigh the risks, especially in the context of the continent. Well, the rest of that conversation is definitely worth a listen, and it drops on africantechroundup.com on Friday, December 16th. Uh, Just head to the main menu and click on the African Tech Conversations tab. You can also find the series on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and any other good podcatcher out there when you search for African Tech Conversations. And then, of course, one last time, many thanks to GoDaddy for sponsoring this season of African Tech Conversations. Remember, you can buy your own domain name, build your own site, or use any of GoDaddy's business tools and save 30% at trygodaddy.com forward slash African Tech. That's trygodaddy.com forward slash African Tech. And that's the show, folks. Do join me again next week and all through the festive season on africantechroundup.com for more sneak listens from the African Tech Conversation series. But for now, I'm Andy Lemassu. Until next time, do take care, Africa.